Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me is my fellow co-host, AKP. It's week one, 2024 MLR season. How fired up are you? Let's go. It's great. <laughs> ah, so ready for the season to, to start. You know, there's so much talking you can do in the offseason, and eventually you're just like, mm, it's got to be time for rugby again. We had a fun off season. I will say, it, I, at moments it felt like it dragged by, but there were other times with the conversations we had, with stuff around fantasy, and just diving into this team and the new coach and playing at a new venue and talking with Chris. Like I'm just ready to go. I think we're all just kind of like the anticipation is building, the blood pressure is rising. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, no, it's great and. But part of it for me is like, I just want to see this team in action. You know, we've spent so long talking about these players and the promise that they have. You know, how are the new guys going to do? You know, how how are the uh, old guys going to fit into to the new team? How is the, what's the new coach going to be like? What's the new, what's going to be the new look of the team on the field? Like, there's just all these questions and I've been thinking about it and turning it over in my head and I've taken however many looks at that that roster thinking about who's going to be in the starting lineup who's going to be this you know that's all going to be answered soon we finally get to know how this team is going to do and it's great it's 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 answers time 100% it's answers time and you bring up a really good point right because and we're going to break down a full week one breakdown of, of Nola gold positions projected score all that good stuff in this episode but Let's start with, we're going to get some answers, right? We we didn't have a, Old Glory DC did not have any preseason games for the first time in a couple of years. They did have an open practice last weekend. I wasn't able to make it. AKP, you were there at the Maryland Soccerplex. Soccerplex. It was a nice day for it. Give me your thoughts. What was the vibe like? How were the fans? How was the team looking? Fill us in. Yeah, and they were just running through through practice drills, but they did they did sort of play a little bit of an inter squad scrimmage, and it was it was a classic one. It was, you know, it starts out and everyone's tackling gently because it's not really the point, and then they just inevitably get a little harder and a little harder, and you know, a little more serious, and eventually it's like, oh no, you got to stop these guys. They're just gonna be playing full out in in a moment here. <laughs> And it was good to to see them out there and and hitting up. There's only so much you can tell from a a practice like that, but but it 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 seemed to go well. And I'm I'm excited for the venue. I mean, it's one of those we've we've talked about how much of an upgrade it is in a lot of different ways. But man, it's it's so much nicer than than Sacra. Grass field, baby. Not the only, as you told me. Last week, not the only MLR venue that's got grass. So, but anyway, moving on. AKP, a couple of news real quick. Roster moves that happened over the last couple of days. One, and this, I guess, broke on the MLR trade wire, but Old Glory DC sent back row Fenton Coleman to Nola Gold for salary cap considerations in 2024. And candidly, I didn't even know Coleman was still on the roster akp what was going on there yeah so he i don't think he had been re-signed for 2024 and certainly they never announced that and i when i was looking up and doing those those graphs for that that article i i found that he had been playing he'd gone back to i think it was munster academy maybe it was leinster i don't know one of those irish regions and he was he was back, you know, training and playing with them in games. And so I sort of figured, you know, he was done. But Old Glory, I think, retained the, the playing rights to him. And so until halfway through the season. And so if, if Nola Gold wanted to pick him up, then they had to trade Old Glory for him, even though Old Glory hadn't re-signed him, which is just one of those sort of weird things with the way the sport is structured, but yeah. And I bring that up only because conspiracy theory here. You see it you see it all the time <laughs> in the NFL, right? Where like the third like the the practice squad quarterback or something, um, there's like a trade or he's picked up by the opponent that they're playing that week with the hopes that the team that picks him up is able to learn maybe some of the calls or the signals, right? To kind of get a little edge against their opponent. 
you don't get a sense that Coleman was actually like running around and was part of the this new makeup. So this this trade has nothing to do with any type of trying to get a competitive edge because it's week one is a very important. It's important we we all glory DC. It's important that Nola Gold comes out of the gate, particularly Nola Gold at home to get a win. You don't think there's any of those kind of shenanigans happening here? <laughs> no, I don't think there's any shenanigans. I haven't heard anything about Coleman being in practice, and I mean practice squads only started what like a month ago or so, a bit more than that maybe. And so I I haven't heard anything about him even being in the United States in that time. So I don't I don't think there's any risk of of leaked information there. I gotta ask. You gotta I think ask. it's just that he's a he's a pretty decent back rower u.s qualified he's young or at least youngish young enough that that he's worth sort of potentially developing he got a lot of time at old glory too so he's he's reasonably seasoned as an an mlr option i think nola gold could do worse than than having him in as a backup and i mean it's only because we've got a you know freaking awesome back row that really just doesn't have the space for anything anyone like Coleman that that we let him go so I, I I I'm glad to see that he's landed somewhere and and you know is sticking around yeah absolutely excellent point we we have so many back rowers right now that if we can use some salary cap space for whatever happens this season then fantastic and he gets a chance to go to go play somewhere all right AKP should we uh should we start to break down uh week one week one opponent yeah let's do it awesome Let's jump right into it. Of course, Old Glory DC's week one opponent, Nola Gold. It's the first game of the 2024 MLR season. Old Glory DC taking on Nola Gold in the gold mine down in New Orleans, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. You can watch that match, I believe, on the Rugby Network. AKP, Nola Gold last year, 7-9, and nine, just missed out on the playoffs had a rough start at the beginning of last year. Hit a stretch in the middle where they started to have some results, including a result against Old Glory DC. Weren't really ever able to put it together. I think they've got some expectations for this year, a couple of pieces they've added. But let's break down the two results against Nola Gold last year. How did we do? And and uh, particularly that one at the end of the season, how that really helped Old Glory DC. Yeah, Nola is one of those teams that you know, just missed out on the playoffs pretty much describes every single year that they've been in the league. They've been here since the beginning, never made the playoffs. They've they've always been sort of just outside of it. And last year was no different. It's not that they, they didn't have a good team. They always they always have pretty good teams. They always have they often have pretty flashy teams that, that put up some pretty good results and then, you know, somewhere in the middle of the season they just they just spiral and and struggle to put anything serious together or they get off to a slow start and you know they can't really make it up later in the season they just they've never been able to put together a a good full season of consistent top level rugby and that sort of makes it, it difficult to to predict them this time because you know last year we we lost it a tight um battle on the on the no at home to them we lost by by three points at home you know 20 to 17 and you know it seemed like they were going to be one of the teams that that had a real shot at the playoffs and then by the end of the season you know it it came we were both in contention for the playoffs um us and nola golden and we just handled them easily i think it was a like a 13 point win on the road and no problem and and we were the ones who made it into the playoff on on the back of that and that so it's difficult to tell what nola we're going to get are we going to get a a good competitive one or are we going to get you know the inconsistent one that that's having a bad streak yeah i mean you, you you bring up a good point because there's talent on that roster and we'll talk about some of the changes they had in the offseason guys coming and guys leaving but if you look just on the roster right now, JP Duplessis is probably one of the best centers, maybe quietly in MLR, yeah. just puts up great numbers, consistent performer. Jordan Jackson Hope 
He kind of plays center. He can jump in the back three a little bit. He had a good season last year. I mean, Rodney Iona was a super rugby fly half. He had a solid year last year. I mean, I'm just going down the list here. Of course, they've got Dougie Fife, you know, Luke Campbell, another super former super rugby scrum half. Paddle Tool, Jared Adams. Like these are some decent names on here. Harley Wheeler, right? Um, I think some of the changes in the off season, uh, a big loss for them, certainly Tom Florence, speaking of guys who went to super rugby. Yeah. I believe he signed a super rugby contract. Great back rower, certainly a big loss, uh, for Nola gold, but then they also picked up, you know, a couple of players. And I think the biggest one was in that dispersal draft in New York, Toronto. All of a sudden, you know, we thought there's a chance that we wouldn't have to face Ed Fido twice, this year, and no, 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 Nola Gold said, no, 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 we're bringing him down to Rampage on the sideline. I'm sorry, but Fido scares me. Watching him run made me nervous last year, particularly there was some size advantage, physicality. I hate using that word because it's so overused, but when he matched up against some of our wingers last year, and I don't want to call him out by name, there was definitely a, a size mismatch or just an intensity mismatch, maybe, so... Ed Fido's down there uh, rampaging with Nola Gold. Some of the names that we talked about coming and going for Nola Gold, is there one in particular you think is going to have the biggest impact, plus or minus, for Nola Gold this year? You know, I think Ed Fido is a really good addition. And especially since they have a, I think they have a fairly wide pitch down in Nola because it's a baseball stadium. They've actually got quite a bit of space there. And so. They've got a fairly wide pitch, and that should give him plenty of space to run. And if there's anything that's that's scarier than Ed Fido, it's Ed Fido with space. I do have some hope. We've got wingers who are a hell of a lot more experienced this year. We've got guys who who are a little older, a little more seasoned, should be a little more physically a match for, for Fido. I mean, we've got guys from some of the top leagues in Europe, and that that will make a difference, I think. That will help us keep that under control and we've also got a defensive focus this year and you know we'll get more into this later but we we didn't do a lot to help our wingers last year to contain some guys on the edge and so the edge was always a a space that was weak for us and so I think I don't think it's going to be quite the same difference I don't think we're going to have quite the same difficulties this year, but it'll also be a test in some ways, a trial by fire right at the beginning. We'll have a good idea whether those those uh, wingers are going to hold up and and how the defensive system this year is going to be able to handle that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I failed to mention Cam Dolan, USA Eagle, who's uh, yeah. on the roster, a guy who, who likes to run, has got some some ball skills. And if you looked at what Nola Gold did in the preseason, they did play the Houston Sabercats. And again, you can't take too much from preseason results, but they did beat the Houston Sabercats, who, in my opinion, are one of the, I think, one of the top three teams in the Western Conference. They were a playoff team last year. I think they got a little bit better. That South African beat-you-up mentality is very real down there. Preseason result maybe doesn't mean much, but hey, Noel Gold, at least their roster got in a game against an opponent, so perhaps maybe they are come into this a little sharper than Old Glory because they've been able to play an opposition who knows, right? Again, week one can be such a crapshoot because we have no idea what these teams are going to look like. And <laughs> that's the other point. Yeah. <laughs> is we may not even know until less than forty eight hours out from the game who actually is going to be in the starting uh yeah. fifteen. And that's if they release the lineups on time. Sometimes you don't know until like you know, minutes before the match starts who's actually playing in it. Which is just MLR really needs to get on top of that and making sure that like every roster should be released 48 hours in advance and there should be some financial penalty for teams that don't because it's it's insane but yeah I think it is going to be interesting to see whether the lack of a preseason game hurts old glory I mean I understand why they didn't do it we fortunately you know didn't have anyone injured in preseason games this year and you know, whereas I think every year previous we've had someone go down in in a preseason game and and be out for the season or at least out for for good periods of the season. And but you've got to think it comes at a cost of of 
having game time together. And maybe that won't matter, but but maybe it will. And I guess we'll this will be a test of that. You bring up injury concerns, and you mentioned the last couple seasons, some some preseason injuries. I mean. <sighs> We don't know the severity of Joe Mano's injury in Utah, but mm. talk about perhaps one of the you know the standout performers from last year. Certainly, Joe Mana. I think he was tied for try scored. Um, if you're a fantasy player and he was on my team, he was the top fantasy scorer for Major League Rugby players last year. I hope Joe Mano is okay. Capped Eagle scored a hat trick, <laughs> scored on his first touch as a men's eagle. Bright young star. I hope Mono's okay. But, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. But anytime a knee is wrapped or something like that and you're stretched off the field, it makes me really concerned. I hope Joe's okay. But injury is very real concern. You know, and that changes the complexion of how that team is, is going to play. Yes, next man up. But Joe Mono's not an easy player to replace. But so moving on from that, um, I want to talk a little bit more about – I want to break Nola Gold down. We don't necessarily need to go – uh, position group by position group, but if you're looking at that Nola Gold roster, AKP, is there one position group that you think is a strength of this team? Let's start there. Is there is there a position group? I'll, I'll start it off first. Um, I think the centers, their center pairing, their likely starters are probably JP Duplessis and Jordan Jackson. Hope they teamed up really well last year. Ton of ton of meter, meters gained, some good ball skills. When Nola Gold was firing and they were winning games, it's because those two were really making an impact on the field. And if they can team up well with fly half Rodney Iona, scary things can happen there. And they can, and they are capable of scoring in bunches, right? And, and taking advantage of defenses that are out of place, out of position, you know, finding a weakness in the defensive structure. Those two players there, that center position, I really think is a strength for Nola Gold. Something we keyed on in that second game, I think, of last year when we won down week 16. I think we really focused on containing containing JP Duplessis and Jordan Jackson Hope because you can't really – they're going to make big plays. Those guys are capable of making big plays. How can you contain them and limit big, long runs, big, long breaks? And I thought they did a really good job of that in week 16. So that's probably the group that I'm looking at. Well, that's a strength of the team. AKP, do you want to elaborate on the centers, or is there another position or player that for you is like, hey, we got to watch out for this guy? No, I really do think it is the centers and that that back line more broadly. I mean, you get, you know, we'll see who's starting at scrum half, but but Luke Campbell, former super, super rugby guy, and Damian Stevens is a, a really fast player. He really likes to be an attacking player and get the ball out quickly. You know, to Rodney Iona, Iona, like you were saying, you know, top quality fly half, and then Duplessis, Jackson Hope, and then Ed Fido on the wings, Dougie Fife, you know, in the back line, and, and who knows who ends up on the other wing. But but that's there's a lot of star power in that back line. And I think it'll be a good test of an area we think is going to be a strength for all glory is, is the back line. And... You know, we've got a lot of, of new guys and top-notch guys in, in our back line. And so I I am, in some ways, I'm I'm afraid of the NOLA back line. But in other ways, it really goes up against something that we have as an area of strength. And I think, to some extent, our back lines might cancel each other out. And I think this is actually going to be a battle that gets won in the forwards as a result. Because, because we both have good back lines and so it's the the difference maker is going to be who can take control of the the forward pack i think you're i think you've nailed it and i was just taking a moment here to look ahead because this is what i'm going to start doing is looking at the weather we're still a few days out four or five days out new orleans right now on saturday highest 72 degrees okay that sounds nice Chance for showers and thunderstorms, about an 80% chance. I guess that means 80% chance of the, the affected area. So it sounds like there's going to be some some moisture down there. So it doesn't sound like, at least right now, necessarily a game where you're going to be spinning the ball out wide. And probably week one, we don't quite know. So to your point, the strength right is in our in our forward pack and in and, and that back row getting Jama the ball, Nico Jones, Bavaro, letting those guys really set the pace 
dictate how we're going to do this control the ball. I think that that I'd put that edge in 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 Old Glory DC's favor, but we'll get to that in just a moment. But know that there's a chance for thunderstorms and showers in the New Orleans area Saturday afternoon. You know, we'll see before, during, or after. Can't quite determine that quite yet. Okay. Hey, KP, we've covered NOLA gold. Okay. Fool's gold? Are they a good team? We'll find out. I'm trying to put a fun in there. It didn't work. That's okay. <laughs> I appreciate Speculators it. here. Yeah, yeah. The, we're Speculating the 49ers. for gold? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Panning for, panning for MLR Championship Shield gold or something like that. <laughs> okay. All right. We've abused that pun enough, or I have. Let's talk Old Glory DC. Let's break down here some of these position groups, maybe projected starters, and this is where we get to have a little bit of fun here. Let's start in the front row, AKP. Who do you project as the starters in the front row for Old Glory DC on current form? I mean, well, let's start with with the the obvious choice of you've got to put Iscaro at, at the on the loose head side in the number one jersey. I mean, he's he's just proven he can handle it even at the international level. So I I really don't see anyone taking that from from him. Uh, Hooker is a bit more of a question mark. I feel like Facundo Gaddis is sort of a, a known quantity there and could easily be the starter, but I would I want to see I will be happy if it's Martin Vaca. Because if it's Martin Vaca, that means he's really impressed in preseason and that means he could really be a pretty amazing player for us. So I I'm hoping for Vaca there. And then on the other side of the scrum, I I, I mean, I don't know. Like, you've got Tyler Rowland, Joe Rafter, you know, Quentin Newcomer. I don't know. He tends to be on the, the loose head side. So I don't even know who of the rest of the props really is a a proper tight head prop. And so I, <laughs> I don't even really want to venture a guess. I mean, if you're, you're good, you bring up a good, really good point. Um, I think tight head prop right now is probably a position that makes me a little bit nervous. Yes, we had to bring in Quentin Newcomer at the last moment. My question is kind of why? Why was he brought in so late? Was he not coming back? Is he injury recovery? Well, I have an answer like him, to that now. But oh, what is the answer? Are we allowed to? Are we allowed to say it? Well, I've I've heard from the man himself that uh, Kevin Brow is injured. He was oh, he was okay. at the practice on on Saturday, wheeling wheeling himself around on one of those scooter things because with his oh. with his leg in a a cast or a brace or something. So so I don't expect to see him on the field anytime soon. That's that's big news, um, and that's interesting then because then who's going to be that starting tight hat prop? Do you put Tyler Rowland out there because theoretically he's been in camp longer, maybe a little more shape, maybe ready to go f- to give you a. F- 50 minutes or so, and then you bring newcomer off the bench. Um, that's interesting. Uh, so we're, we're going to have to watch what happens there in the front row because that leads me to my next question. I think the hooker situation feel pretty good there between the two, uh, you know, internationals that we have down there. But then, you know, Jack is the expectation that he's going to play 60, 70 minutes because then if when and if Jack has to come off, who are we putting in? Are we putting in Cali Martinez? Are you putting in Joe Rafter? Who do you think? I'm, I'm not that concerned about that because, you know, we know Quinton Newcomer can play on the loose head side. Yeah. We know Callie Martinez, you know, played a lot of that last year. You know, Joe Rafter, I think, is able to play that side as well. So, the, you know, it'll be whoever they don't have on the, the tight head side will be on the loose head side. And I don't, I, I don't have a problem with any of those players on the loose head side. As long as whoever it is is trusted enough that they you know can spell jack for more than you know 10 minutes or something because we do want him getting a break because we don't want him getting injured if he goes down early in the season that's that puts the whole front row just in a bad place capped eagle sudden young player we talked to him at the washington dc youth rugby event he i mean he's he's fired up for this season um I think really emerging as a leader 
on this team. So I'm excited to see what he's going to bring this season. All right, AKP, let's kind of move into that second row here. And, uh, you know, we've got some, we got a mix of of some some depth and some, some young players here. Quite a few locks to choose from here. Who you, who do you think is lining up as as our our locks here for Old Glory DC? It's a, another good question. Yeah, uh, Tavita Nangali is sort of the the old stalwart for Old Glory. I mean, he's been on the team forever, and you'd sort of expect to see him out there. Rob Harley coming in is a a really sort of high end signing, and and seems to be like captain material, very leadership material as a player so you know potentially him but then Ignacio Dotti also a very experienced MLR player all three of them though are 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 uh, foreign players and going to take up foreign player slots so there's a chance that we see maybe Bill Whiteside or Charlie Overton I I think Whiteside is more likely because I've heard I've heard a lot of good things about him from the uh, the other players and staff so you know, if they need a domestic option. I think, regardless, Whiteside is probably going to be on the bench to cover Locke. If they have a, a player covering Locke on the bench, it'll be Bill Whiteside, because I can't imagine they'd put all three of Dottie, Harley, and Nungali on the on the roster. Yeah, that's a really excellent point, is just, you know, the international player slots um, on, on game day, and you know, if there's a couple position groups where we need to put a domestic option in, you're probably, <clears throat> I think you've identified it, Locke is certainly one of them. And, hey, look, Bill Whiteside, you know, he's got a little he's got a little MLR experience. I think he's a, he's a good young player that they were able to pick up towards the end of, of training camp. Good size, still relatively pretty young guy. Um, you know, could provide good coverage there in the lock if we, for whatever reason, you I, you gotta assume it's it's Nagali and I would think Harley as the two starting locks and That's then it's guess, coming yeah. in who's that yeah yeah who's the cover is it Whiteside or is it Dottie and I guess we'll we'll find out obviously as you mentioned Whiteside being the good the good domestic option um, <laughs> AKP I chuckle here because um, you know if there was ever a time when we needed to add one more. <laughs> let's play with 16 players let's have an additional back row player i mean we've got a we are gluttony for some very talented uh back rowers help me here (laughs) who who's gonna play here look at all of these flankers i mean flankers and and number eight like break this down for me how are all these guys gonna play yeah i don't know there's the the back row is they're what five guys for three positions i think jama starts at the eight i'm gonna i'm gonna start there i'm pretty sure he's gonna start at the eight yeah he was he was the captain last year we don't know who the captain this year is interestingly and that's something i forgot to ask in practice but we'll see so i think jama starts i think that's that eight position is his to lose i think I'm going to guess that we see Bavaro because he really he really was a top-notch player last year. And then it's really just a question of Corey Daniel, Colin Gross, Nico Jones. Who do you give that that last flanker spot to? And I don't know. I I really no idea. Probably one of them gets the the nod and the other one gets a spot on the bench. I'm going to guess maybe Colin Gross gets the spot on the bench as sort of a an option also to cover at lock because we he played a fair amount of lock last year. Mm-hmm. So but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I just yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's all good. AKP, you don't need to have all the answers. That's okay. You you bring up a couple of really good points, right? Colin Gross Great job filling in at, at Locke last year. He's probably more natural flanker in that competition there for s- seven guys, right? You know, um, all of them minus one are domestic players, which is fantastic, right? Like, that's that's great. Bavaro being the, the only international option there. A couple other things to consider, right? Corey Daniel, who was injured most of all of last year. How much do you want to ease him into this season? We're assuming he looks pretty good. Was he running around at the at the practice oh yeah yeah he was 
playing at full strength. So I mean, Bavaro and Corey Daniel, Bavaro last year just gobbled up tackles left and right. And two, the year before that, obviously, Corey Daniel, I think, was one of the league leaders in tackles, right? So if we can get him back to that form or he comes back close to that, he's just going to wrap dudes up and we're going to get a lot of breakdown steals and in, in, in tackles. You know, Dakota Worth, right? Another guy we brought up. I, Brady Daniel, yeah. those two guys probably, I would think, less likely to have a spot on the bench. You know, coverage guys as, as things progress. Um, Nico Jones, again, another super talented young player. Kind of player where he had a pretty big impact when he joined halfway through the season. It's hard to keep a guy like him off the bench and not playing at all. And again, this is such a it's a great problem to have because you have so many talented players and you want them all to find minutes and you want them all to get into the game, but it ugh, it's not going to happen. Jamma locked he's got eight locked down. You assume he's going to play the full game. Uh, you know, if he's named captain again, you're going to have to drag him off the field because he will probably fight you if you try and take him off the field. So then it's like, okay, at the flankers, Bavaro, maybe Daniel, probably gross. Are we going to keep Nico Jones on the bench? Is he not going to be yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If I was, if I would probably go jam at the eight, Bavaro at the six or the seven. And then I think Joan, Nico Jones at the six. And then I'd put Colin Gross on the, the bench. I'd give Corey Daniel a, a moment. But overall, I don't think it really matters. Because at this point, I think the exciting thing about this back row is that we won't have to have the same starting lineup every week. We won't have to have these players playing the same positions and, you know, playing every minute of every game. You know, because I, I don't think it was good for Jamma to play as much as he did last year. I think, you know, having Nico Jones there who can step in at eight, you know, having them be able to switch in and out there and having, you know, Jamma be able to come off the field more often and, you know, take take games off to rest and and not have to put his body through quite the same you know, intensity of, of a season that he had last year, I think is a good thing. And so I sort of don't really care what they put forward here. I think any combination of those players is going to be good. And I just hope they, they find something that works and that they they make sure to keep mixing it up and resting players and, and not pushing anyone too hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's start moving into the backs. Number nine. Right, the old KG veteran Danny Tusatala has certainly been holding down that number nine jersey for Old Glory since they came online as an MLR franchise. Has played in every single major league rugby game um, while he's been on Old Glory's roster. There was the one game where he didn't start. That was Houston last year. Right, going into the season, you got to assume it's it's his job, and then Connor Buckley and Ethan McVeigh filling in and getting minutes where you can. AKP, you were at the practice. Um, you know, what did you see at the nine? Are there are we going to see anything different for week one, or is it? You know, we got to assume that Danny's going to be plugged in there. I mean, it's one of those that you just sort of assume that it's it's two Satalas to lose at this point. I mean, he's been such a a feature of Old Glory for so long. But I keep hearing good things about Connor Buckley. I keep hearing a lot of a lot of positivity around Connor Buckley. So. Who knows? I think it, it would be a real coup if if anyone but Tusitala started. And Ethan McVeigh seems decent as well. I think, you know, this could be another option where, another position where if if Connor Buckley really is the real deal, then, then potentially just not having to play Danny Tusitala, you know, 80 minutes every game and, and have him be you know, one of the league leaders in terms of minutes played by the end of the season, that's probably a good thing. And, you know, maybe as a, a sort of challenge, I always think it's, you know, you never want a player to be so settled in, so locked in as, as the, the starting option that they don't feel any competition. And, you know, hopefully Connor Buckley can provide some competition to Tustala, you know, you know, really... And also partly maybe take the pressure off him to be the the world's greatest scrum half at all time. You know, we saw that when he was the, the captain of the team, that he really actually 
didn't do as well that season as as we were expecting and i think part of it was the the pressure to have to perform as the captain as well as as just be himself and i think Tusitala when he's just being himself is probably the best Tusitala and one of the best players in the league so hopefully we can hopefully that's what we get is a, a Tusitala that doesn't feel the need to be filling filling like the the role of being the absolute best yeah hey, hey look Connor Bugley number of minutes last year for for um the former New York team right i um, he was filling in for the other Connor, Connor McManus, who got injured a little bit last year. So Buckley, who was the backup, started um, a few games out of necessity, and I thought played well. Good young scrum half. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what his minutes look like. AKP, let's move into the fly half, the number 10 jersey here. We've got three on the roster that we know about. Likely Mike Ware probably won't be on the match day 23, so you're kind of really looking at um, – Grady, and you're looking at the return of Jason Robertson to MLR. Those guys got a little bit of flexibility, right? If we had to throw a guy back at full back, they can certainly do it. But going into the 2024 season, is the expectation that Robertson will be the starting 10, or is it going to be Grady, and then Grady finds spots at 15? Or what does that look like? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm going to actually start with Mike Weir, though, because I just want to put in that he definitely looks more sort of physically developed this season. He definitely looks, seeing him in practice, he looked a little bit less like a, a scrawny kid out of college and a little bit more like he won't just get completely run over by <laughs> MLR-sized guys. And so I think, which is exactly what you wanted to see from him in the offseason. So I think he has a better chance of seeing the field this year than he did last year. I think, you know, that was really the the step he needed to take was to be able to properly physically compete at this level, which, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, getting the professional weight training and the, you know, diets and the everything that they do to to make these guys physically fit for the season and I think I think he's come a long way so I'm hoping to see more of him this year but like you say probably not going to start the I'm actually going to sort of jump position here as well that um, Mike Taboulis didn't seem to be practicing and in fact I talked to him after the the practice on Saturday and it sounds like he's not quite ready to to get back on the pitch he was running around he was he was certainly physically active. He wasn't. He wasn't just standing around, but he was. He wasn't. He wasn't dressed to practice, and he was. He was just doing that sort of scrum half, like toss the ball to people. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't actively participating in practice. So that leaves fullback. And when you look at the the roster that Old Glory released, he was the only one listed at fullback. And so I, th- I think right, what you're Damien, because Hoyland was still, we yeah. had the expectation with Chris that he was going to be here in time. It sounds like that timeline isn't lining up. Yeah, I don't think Hoyland's going to take forever to get here, but I don't know that he's here yet. And so it's, so it's a question of who's going to play fullback. And I do think there's a good chance we'll see one of the fullbacks or one of the fly halves drop back there. You know, either Robertson or Bode, and it's going to bout Bode. Yeah, Grady. Grady. I'm just <laughs> going to call him Grady. Um, you know, either Grady or or Jason going to drop back to the the fullback position, be- and it, it you know that'll be down to the the coach and you know the what they they want to play and who's you know they they're different in the way that they kick, they're different in the way that they attack, and so it'll be it'll depend on what the the coaches see as as being the best arrangement there. Interesting. All right. So something to look out for when that that roster gets announced. Expedition hopefully is Thursday. Um, so development to keep an eye on. Of course, Grady played played great at fly half. They both can kick well. Um, so and you said they distribute a little bit differently. Game plan might be a little little bit different. But you know who they're passing the ball to to their immediate left and right is I think kind of where we're getting into a little bit of the strength of this back line. And of course, we're talking about the center position here and. Certainly, newly capped men's eagle Tommaso Boney, 
joining the squad and our boy William Talataina, Willie T, as he is affectionately known by many people, even if you're a scrum half and he pushes you over when we score because you're just in the way. Get the hell out of Willie <laughs> T's way. Still my favorite moment from last year against yeah. Utah. The scrum half got up and he was like, why did you do that? <laughs> anyway, AKP. I mean, what more can we say about the center's well, let's talk a little bit about Tommaso, since he is new to the organization. Cap Deagle just came over. I mean, what are your expectations going into this season with our center pairings? Yeah, he's a, a great-looking player. I mean, you know, big body, great hair. He he looks like he'll be able to crash the ball like the best of them. He really sort of comes in as a direct replace and drop-in replacement for um, uh, Threat and Palamo, who left this year, and also another Eagle center. And I think I think we'll see him bring quite a bit of physicality to that, that center position. And, you know, he's not the sort of guy you're going to run over. He's not the sort of guy you're going to tackle dominantly or easily stop and I think that should hopefully open up a bit of space for the sort of faster runners we have elsewhere in the line so I'm 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 excited to to see what he can do on this team and especially paired with you know Talataina who has just been fantastic for us in recent times but he's he's not quite as big of a player I mean Talataina and he's but he's a bit bit faster he's got a got a step and so you know i'm hoping that the two of them together really really sort of because the centers do a lot of work they it's one of those where it's easy to overlook them sometimes in favor of the the wings and the fullback the guys who really get a lot of space to run and can do you know really flashy stuff but like a lot of that space and those opportunities is created in the center and then defensively, they're absolutely essential. Whether they can shut down the ball as it comes out, or whether they, you know, can how they shift over to to, you know, destroy the illusion of space on the the edge, it really makes a difference. And if they miss tackles in the center, there's usually no one else there, and it's it can be a guaranteed score. So I'm really hoping for a lot from them defensively as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that that defensive and. That's something that Simon Cross kind of keyed in on about, you know, and what Chris Dunleavy talked about, this team, Old Glory DC, being in matches, maybe controlling matches a bit more, and that starts with the defensive effort and just the game plan. And, yeah, if our centers can come up and really level, take guys out and, and shut down and, and get the tackles that they need to, that's going to take pressure off our fullback, whoever's going to be running out there with that 15 jersey. <clears throat> Exciting to see how uh, the defensive strategy will be for Old Glory in, in week one. So, AKP, you mentioned the wing. Let's talk the back three. We, t- we covered fullback a little bit. The wings here, I'm excited about this. There's been some some changes there. The player that I'm probably most excited to see, and I wish I would have grabbed him in my fantasy draft because he was right there and he was coming to me next, but uh, former Puma 7s star Axel Mueller, AKP, did you get to see him at the open practice, and how was he looking? Is he slotting in at the eleven or fourteen? Which one is he going to be playing? You think, or does it matter? I, I don't. I've never <laughs> noticed any significant difference between one wing and the other. And the only time it can make a difference is if you've got kickers who have different, who kick from different feet, and the angles that they can get in that. But other than that, it really doesn't matter whether you're in an eleven jersey or a fourteen jersey. Axel Muller was a, a the practice. He seemed to be having a lot of fun. He he does seem like a really impressive player, and I'm excited to to see him take the field. I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, the the obvious caveat with a lot of these international guys, and you know, and this goes for Robertson and Talataina as well, is that as international guys. It's going to depend whether those slots are available to them and, you know, decisions. We have more international guys on the roster than we're allowed to put in the game day lineup. So some of these guys will inevitably be missing out. But yeah, I'm also excited to see what Perry Humphreys can do. I don't think he's 
he doesn't have quite the same record as as Miller does of being just an absolute badass, but I think he I think he's got the opportunity to be pretty impressive as well. And I'm just in general excited to see what an experienced back three can do for old glory. We've tended to rely a lot on younger and less experienced wingers, and I'm excited to see what happens when we put, you know, some guys who are in their their late twenties out there who've played at the highest level and, and see what they can they can do for us. You know, and you, you bring up a good point and I guess going into this year, you know, last year you know, love Junior Sal, love Penny Lasanga, but when they got the ball, you, the threat of the kick just wasn't really there, right? That wasn't really their game. Like you knew Junior Sal was gonna run hard and run at you and try and run you over. Penny Lasanga was gonna try and put on move you put a move on you, get a step and, and fly past you. I never felt like the, the the kicking threat was really ever there, right? So and I think the other team knew that too. And also, you know, just the high ball, right? Attacking that. I got to feel like Axel and Perry Humphreys and, you know, as we get into the domestic options, right? Either, you know, the John Powers or the, the, the John Rizzo, right? Throwing them in there. I feel like that was an area that we needed to really shore up going into this year. And my expectation is we're going to see a, much better play from the kick chase from our kickers who have a little more ball skills. Do you feel like that's going to be the case or am I just reaching? No, I think that's definitely going to be the case. And it's, it's another, you know, that's what happens when you have guys who are less experienced and, and less or younger out there is they're just not going to be able to be as good at those, those little skills. And it's the wing is, the reason we were doing that is because wing is a position where you can more easily cover up those those deficits with other other positions. You know, I think Talatayina kicked more than than some of our wingers did, and you know we relied a lot on our fullback to be providing, you know, to be catching the high balls and to be putting in the kicks. And so I, you can adjust for it when your wings have, but but when you don't have to, when your wings are capable of doing those things. I think it can make a huge difference to the team. And so I I don't really know what that looks like because we haven't really seen it at Old Glory. And so I'm excited to to see what the wingers can do. It's, I think it's one of the positions I'm I'm most excited for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and as part of our discussion for the breakdown, we talked a little bit about the game plan and strategy. But let's jump into this Nola Gold game as we start to, to round third base, if you will, to steal a different sports metaphor and head home here but what do you think let's let's talk about the game plan we'll do the keys to victory and then we'll do our score prediction but game plan for nola what do you think we should expect to see what should be the game plan to beat nola gold i think they're going to focus on defense and i think that's partly because that's simon cross's calling card that's his his specialty is defense but it's also the thing that we have been sort of the worst at for for a long time is is consistent defense and i think in particular not making any major errors on defense it's one of those where you can you know i'm not talking like we have to be some suffocating defense where no one can make a a single meter but i want to i want to see the team really lock things down and not you know not let fido make some big run off the down the sideline not let you know one of those centers really make a break and and get like 30 40 meters down the field i think if they can really limit those explosive plays and they can frustrate nola and force them to play phase after phase i think that is going to be one of the the sort of real keys to to winning this game and and sort of that defensive first approach is is what I want to see and connectedness you know not relying on one player to have to take make a a magnificent tackle just to to avoid some some big break but really the sort of thing where you look at it and you go where are the gaps where is where are these guys supposed to run to attack this line that's that's what I want to see yeah I think I agree with that entirely um I think part of that will come down to how this game may be played is that weather the weather being a factor if there's going to be a little rainy if it's going to be some some thunderstorms before or after the game so I think we've got some real strength in that back row right can we 
get Jama running the ball, Bavaro running it, Nico Jones, whomever, getting to breakdowns, quick ball, having them just kind of soften up that defense, find some gaps, let Boney find one, run through a weak arm tackle, open up space for the wingers to get down. And look, if if it's going to be a little sloppy down there, and, and it might be, and we've improved in the kicking game, and we've there could be a number of options out there for folks who can kick, I'd love to see us really start to put some pressure on on that back three, fielding that slick ball in in the rain. And I think we've got the kicking game to really let that be a, an asset for us this year. So I, we'll see. I'm excited for it. I think that's kind of the game plan. Let's see if we can pound them, pound them, pound them up, like set the tone from the beginning. So AKP, that moves us into key to victory. I know you touched on it just a little bit but here, but in your mind, what's your number one? key to victory for for old glory dc against nola gold i think a connected defense a defense that that really knows what it's supposed to be and and is that i think if it can if they can remain consistent defensively that's going to be what prevents nola from from getting those big breaks and from really making good use of those stars they have in the back line and part of that i guess is is you know that forward pack really putting in a lot of work awesome i i agree i think we, we've been talking about it the forward pack really setting the pace and i think it's in my mind it's dictating this game playing the game to our terms not nola gold so that means going out there and the proverbial punching them in the mouth getting a quick score early getting possession early going through phases pounding out tiring out that defense methodical scores taking the lead and really just dictating playing the game how Old Glory wants to play and really take it to to Nola Gold to say, hey, Old Glory DC, we're here. We're coming for that Eastern Conference final. It starts down in Nola. So let's dictate this game, play it on our terms. All right, AKP, fun part, score prediction. I'll go first, and then I'm going to have you go. This one, week one, we don't know what to expect there could be, you know, some weather issues going on down there with some rain. Could be a little bit sloppy down in the bayou, down in New Orleans. I don't anticipate this being a high-scoring game. Could be wrong. I've been wrong before in the past, and I will be again in the future. I think this is going to be maybe a slower, methodical, more methodical offense than we've seen maybe in the past. Maybe not as high-scoring. Who knows? We'll see. I think we've got certainly some game-breakers that can do it. But week one, no preseason results. Maybe Nola comes in a little sharper because they had a preseason game. I think we control it. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. I'm going to give it like a like a 24-18. Old Glory wins by six or seven. Nola Gold threatens, but Old Glory always just able to maintain it and keep the edge and keep the lead. They win by six or seven. 24-25 to 17 or 18, something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think I'm going to say Old Glory 20 and Nola 12. I think both teams score a couple of tries, but then Old Glory gets penalties. They keep the ball in the, the Nola half, and they, they get those opportunities. Robertson kicking off the tee is, is solid, and you end up with with Old Glory sort of taking the lead on on conversion kicks and, and penalty kicks. Awesome. Love it. All right. So we should start tracking this again. We didn't really track it last year. Let's start tracking it this year. We'll see how our results match up. And then as as we get into the rest of the picks for week one, let's let's track our results. AKPA, we usually last year we, we relied on your, uh, your, your system that always seemed to be able to analyze and predict the matches pretty well. Have we turned on? Have we plugged on the machine yet? Is the the AKP scoring predictor tabulator five thousand? Is it ready to go for week one? Or are we just we're going off our um, our instincts here on this one? Uh, yeah, we're just going off instincts on this one. I don't have it worked out yet, unfortunately. Okay. I have no worries. part of the problem is the files on a different computer, and so I have to to get it off that computer, put it on this computer, and then uh, I can I can get those those answers <laughs> all good all right so we'll move on here we go so after old glory dc and all the gold play we've got houston versus houston sabercats versus the utah warriors houston at home i think houston's the stronger side here 
they play that tough physical game. They've had some, um, they've added some pieces. Utah is always going to be a scary team. They're going to be fun to watch. But I think you, I think Houston wins this one. I'm going to go something like, I don't know, 31 to 23, 24. Houston in control. I think I'm going to take Utah in this one. I think Ooh, Utah's had some decent preseason results. I think they've they've changed some stuff up and yeah, I th- I think they've got a a chance here. So I'm I'm going to take Utah but only by you know like 3 points or something. I think it, I think it ends up being a a close match and one where the the score flips multiple times throughout the or the lead the lead changes multiple times throughout. Awesome. Saturday night, Seattle Seawolves at home against San Diego Legion. San Diego Legion seem to be a team that everyone uh, is penciling in, maybe some with Penn in the MLR final. We're not there yet. Uh, always fun when these two rivals play each other. This one's a tough one for me. Seattle plays so well uh, at home at Starfire Stadium. That crowd's going to be fired up from Seattle. Again, going to be a top team. I think this is could potentially be a little high scoring, but I'm going to give the edge to Seattle at home. Something like, I don't know, 37, 34, 35, something like that. Seattle wins by two or three. Yeah, I think the score will be a little lower. and But I do agree with you on Seattle. I mean, the narrow field there really helps. And... I think it's it's an advantage being at home in the the first game. So sort of by default, I'll just give it to Seattle. I wouldn't be surprised by a San Diego win though. So then Sunday afternoon, we've got three games on Sunday. Miami at home in their very first MLR game in franchise history. They're going to be hosting the Chicago Hounds, who have certainly rebuilt and reconstructed a pretty pretty formidable roster. I'm excited to see. We don't really know. We don't know what we're going to see out of Miami, right? Are they? I don't think they're going to be a team that's just going to get run out of the park. I think they've they've signed some really interesting pieces down there. A lot of Argentine influence, Uruguay, number of international players. Certainly, they, they can only use so many. Um, some exciting uh, American options down there. Former Old Glory DC wing Marcos Young down there, wing center. But I, you know, I, I don't. Maybe I'm just riding on the hype chain, train. But I think Chicago is going to be vastly improved. I, I just think Chicago wins this one. and uh, Probably wins by, I don't know, maybe 9 or 10 points, 28-17, 28-18, something like that. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with you on Seattle. as Or, sorry, on Chicago as well. I think, I th- I think Miami could be quite good. I think Chicago will be much improved. Although that might just be getting to being like a, an average team in MLR because they were definitely well below average last year. And so I'm just going to give it to Chicago pretty much because they're an established team. I think it might take Miami a game or two to find their footing properly. It's always hard to put together a new team. Sunday night, seven. I think it's a 7 p.m. Eastern time, time kickoff. Anthem FC. Anthem Rugby Carolina in their first match in MLR history against the defending champs, New England Free Jacks. Quite a way for the Free Jacks in this 2024 season to open and close against Anthem. I thought that was interesting, but look, I don't want to pile on Anthem. They've got a, 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 a young team. They've got a couple of international players. Jake Turnbull, who's probably going to be the captain down there, uh, Cap Deagle, David still in his return to rugby from sevens to trying to play football again to back to, to 15. So there's some they've got some pieces in, in Anthem. New England has no business losing this game. You know, the expectation is people are saying they're going to win by 60, 70, 80 or more. I don't know. I certainly hope not. I don't think so. And I don't think so either. I mean, I think New England, New England's going to control this game, right? They are a very good team. There's a reason why they've been in the MLR final and they won it last year. They're not just. There will be. I'd be interesting to see what their their starters look like. And I I would expect they would trot out their starters at least for the for the first half. Um, and if the scoreline starts to get away a little bit, they throw in some guys. I mean, but you know you. You got to think New England's probably going to win this game at a minimum, but at least by thirty points. I mean, 
I'm not trying to pile on Anthem here, but really young squad and, and you know with with youth you get people who are really fired up and passionate and they want to go out and prove to everyone that hey we're not just going to be uh, you know roadkill for these teams but they've got a tall task in front of them and wow wouldn't that be wild if they punched New England in the mouth and stole a win there i mean that would shock that would shock MLR if anthem and i'm not saying they're not capable of it but it seems to me a little improbable given that we don't really know how they're going to play in week 1 i you know yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, New England has no business losing this. I think it will be a good sign for Anthem if they can... It'll be a good sign defensively if they can keep New England under, say, under 40 points would be a, a pretty big win for Anthem. And if they themselves can score more than sort of 15 or 20 points, you know, if they can get to more than two tries, I think that would be that would be a really big win for for anthem so that's that's where my expectations are and the fact that i consider those wins obviously means that i expect anthem to score less than two tries and i expect new england to be over 40 points so we'll we'll see i think anthem will obviously get i think anthem will get better as the season progresses tall task in, in week one against the defending mlr Champions, and then moving into Sunday night, RFC LA at home against Dallas. This is exciting because RFC LA is going to play right after the conclusion of the LA Sevens event at Dignity Health Sports Park. Could be a chance that they set a new single-game MLR attendance record if the crowd from LA Seven sticks around. I think they need to be in that. 13,000, 14,000 range to to break the record that San Diego Legion set last year. That would be a great story. This is an interesting match because um, RFCLA, they've had a couple preseason results. It looks like they put a, you know, had a couple of good performances. Again, mixing things up here and there. It's not a new club in the sense that these players have never assembled before. They were that former Atlanta team. And yes, some pieces are, are gone and here and there. But they've got some talent on on that on that roster there uh, in LA. The Dallas Jackals. I'm going to throw this out there. I think they may they're in the running. I think they're going to be in the running for the most improved team in MLR this year. I think we saw a little bit at the end of last year how they were in games. You know, they almost knocked off New England last year. Came really close to doing that. <laughs> the old glory DC Dallas game last year, we only played a half because that was shortened by whatever was going on. And DC was fortunate to get a win in that one. We had some issues with how that played out, lightning things and of course player safety and all. But I really do think Dallas has built a roster down there. They, got, they had a ruin in Foley. Now they've got some good young players there. They had trouble scoring the ball. I think that'll be less of an issue this year. Long winded answer. I think I want to give the, the, the nod to Dallas here. I, 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 I know that's... I'm not convinced. I think it's a close back-and-forth match. I'm going to go Dallas wins by like a, a point or two on a, on a, on a last-minute penalty to win it. Yeah, I actually agree. And partly that's because I think Dallas will be better this year. But also, I don't actually have super high hopes for RFCLA. I mean... They've kept a number of, of the the big players from Atlanta, but a lot of that squad is new, and they really had very little time to put it together. And so I don't think they're going to have the depth or the the quality of roster to compete in MLR this year. And so I I think it I think Dallas has to be the favorite. It might be the first time they've ever been a favorite, but. I wouldn't be shocked by a, an LA win, but also it's another one. It's it's like when you look at Chicago last year, where they were they were hyped up because you know they had some good players on the roster. But actually, it it takes a moment for a roster to come together and a team to come together. And when you're building something brand new, that I yeah I know it's a move team from Atlanta, but it's basically brand new. And you know that it takes time for that to settle in. So awesome. Well, AKP, we covered a lot. That was the week one primer. Broke down Old Glory DC versus Nola Gold here. Closing segment. Give me your... Who do you project will be the Old Glory DC player of the match? Yeah, difficult without having the, the starting lineup. 
subject to subject to change. I think it's gonna be. I'm gonna go with Jamma. Jamma is always a safe option. I know he's gonna start. I think the back line is gonna be essential for a a win, and so I think it'll be Jamma. <laughs> I was gonna go the opposite of whatever you chose, and you almost went center, and I was gonna go Jamma if you didn't. Uh, so I'm gonna have to go Tommaso Boni. I think. He makes his presence known with 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 Axel being like a one B, you know, in terms of the backs, and we'll break that down certainly uh, next week when we cover Old Glory DC's result against Nola Gold. But as you heard from the top of the show, we're super excited for Week One of MLR. We've got high hopes and expectations for Old Glory DC. Big match here because looking next week. We go up to New England and potentially spoil their home opener. Wouldn't that be something else as they get their 2023 MLR championship rings? Will Glory go, DC goes up there and punches them in the mouth. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Big, big match here against Nola Gold. Make sure you tune in Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as Old Glory DC kicks off their 2024 MLR season. From my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool. I'm John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll be back here next week to break it all down and prepare for the next week. Talk to you then.